We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm the captivating, motivating, titillating, and money making Dr. Carborn Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paul O'Chang, in the building. Paul, say what's up to the people. What's up to the people? I'm glad to be here. This is going to be a good one today. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, I think this actually might end up being. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. This is probably going to be our our, our highest. Uh, viewed and downloaded episode we have an episode we did two years ago and no one has been able to eclipse him yet but i think we we have a a a worthy opponent today that will probably move into the ranks of first place so uh guys i'm excited this episode has been a year and some change in the making um i first reached out to him a while ago and it just you know, nothing happens before it's time. We were just talking about that before we we started recording. Uh, but very, very happy to have our guest today, man. He is a medical student and medical illustrator who you may also know as the Black Fetus Guy. <laughs> His work went viral over a year ago. And since then, he's been on a mission to bridge the gap between equality and representation of Black people in medicine. With that being said, I do want want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. We got Mr. Shidabir eBay in the building. Yes, sir. Man, talk to us, bro. How you feeling? Hi, everyone. I'm feeling so good and excited about this. Nice to meet you, Carl. Nice to meet you, Paul. Um, I trust it's going to be a great conversation today. And as we talk about healthcare disparity and representation, nice to be on this call today. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for for making it, man. Uh, Let's get right into it, right? This is going to be a good one. Just to kind of start out the gate, you know, so we we like to do our homework at OTC, right? And with that being said, we know a little bit, we know a good amount of your backstory, you know, and, and some of the things that have been able to kind of make you who you are. We always kind of like to start with the why behind everything, right? Because everything we do, everything that we create and we bring into fruition is a sum of what our why is. So right out the gate for you, you know, I, I think a, a part of this too might be your mom, but talk to us about why did you choose to pursue becoming a medical doctor? Yes, um, thank you for asking. So I think part, part of that you actually highlighted, right? Um, um, that I had this um, inspiration, I had a, a, um, this craving for medicine because I, I lost my mom at a younger age in my life. I lost her to ovarian cancer. And um, uh, that was at the moment in my life where I said I was going to be a medical doctor. I mean, but before then, right? I, I, I knew I wanted to go into the healthcare space, right? I wanted to be in the medical field. But that particular incident in my life um, uh, gave me more reason not to give up my dream. And understanding, because I think I, I, I had a, a very good um, 
um, I, I had a very, I, had, I was very empathetic towards people's problem, right? I, I could literally take people's pain as my own pain. And I realized that I, I, I do not like seeing, I do not like seeing people suffer or see people go through pains or sicknesses. And those are my weakness, those are, those are things that really made me feel sad. And I say, okay, this was a problem and I need to be a, a solution in the healthcare space. So from that moment in my life, I realized that I'm supposed to be in the healthcare space. And that's why I decided to go into medicine. I mean, literally there are other areas of medicine, you know, there's pharmacy, there's public health, you know, but the area of medicine and surgery has been that beautiful passion of mine. And also being that I was very artistic, and I understood that surgery entails a lot of being being a creative person, being artistic, having being able to to have to have a good hand hand eye coordination, you know. So being that I had those skills already, I said I think I was going to be a very good doctor. Then then I had to pursue um, a, a career medicine. So on the on, on the back end of that, right? There's, I guess for when we think of you, you know, there's the med school, the, the soon-to-be MD part that we think about, right? But we also think about the medical illustrator part as well. And so kind of taking some steps back, talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how did you get into the illustrating? How long have you been uh, drawing for? Like, was it, was it a matter of start? Like, you just started out drawing things, and then from that, what we've been able to see today came to existence. And then also the viral photo that we've seen that jump-started everything. How long was that one in the arsenal before you released it? All right, so fantastic question. So I, I started illustration, okay, I started artworks in 2014. And that was because I had a friend of mine who was very artistic. He was, he was a, a wonderful artist, right? But I, was, I wasn't born with art, right? I, I had to teach myself how to draw. So he inspired me because he would, he would literally draw, um, um, like, like let's, say, let's say our currency, Nigeria. He would draw the currency in detail and it was so beautiful. And I said, I wanted to be an artist because of him. So I, I had to start learning how to draw, I taught myself how to draw, I watched YouTube tutorials and how to do proper sketching and shading. Then on and on, um, fast forward, I kept doing portraits for, for clients. And, uh, but I mean, I had never known a field called medical illustrations until 2020 in the lockdown where I met my mentor. I mean, because I had passion for medicine, I had passion for art also. And he said to me, I mean, that he sees my artwork, that they're amazing. I mean, before then, you know, I reached out to him because I was also a very good graphic designer. I reached out to him and said, okay, that I see your design because he's the founder of the Association of Future African Neurosurgeons. So I reached out to him and said, I see your designs that they are not very beautiful, you know, that I would love to work for you and you would pay me. <laughs> and his response was uh, that there are no resources to pay. Okay, so because, I mean, just in a bit to, um, to, to learn and to grow, I, I said I was going to work pro bono. I was going to volunteer it, um, uh, 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 volunteer for the organization to do designs pro bono for them. So while we're doing designs for them, then I he he saw my artworks and said, okay, you have you are artistic and you have part of a medicine. Why not going to feel like medical illustration? And I was like, I mean, what's that? I have not heard of that before. So I had to make research. You know, I had to 
read about illustrations, and sadly, they will not deter when you read that teaches you medical education. Never, there's none, right? And so the big problem for me, so what, what I had to do was teach myself illustration, right? Using Photoshop to just draw artworks, not illustration, not medical illustration particularly. So while learning those particular illustrations, and I had to think for myself, how can I integrate the skills I've learned in illustrations into medical illustration? Because those are two different things entirely. And back then I was in medical school also, so I had little knowledge of medicine. It was a big problem for me. So I had to start teaching myself anatomy, teaching myself a bit of medicine that I know now, and um, with the care of my mentor, you know, we um, had to, that's how I, I grew. And I started learning how to do illustrations in Illustrator and moving on to Photoshop. So it has been an amazing process, you know, learning those softwares, mastering the art of making what works for you, right? Because, you know, art talks about creating what works for you. They, they are not basic data rules on how to make these things, right? But what works for you, you just do that. So um, I learned that and I, I would say I've mastered the art of illustrations and I understand the steps of creating that. But uh, I mean, before the black footage illustration went viral, I had created more than 40 images, more than 40 black illustrations. And after creating these images, the, the tagline have always been, right, that more of these should be included in a medical textbook, that we should see more of these in a medical literature. And, uh, and when I created the black footage, that black was created shortly after I was denied a visa to go to school in Ukraine and being sad, being, you know, worried, what's the next phase of life? Well, life goes on. I need to have created a drawing. I need to stick to do what I was doing. So I created a Blackfeet illustration. And sad to say, or I would say fortunately, unfortunately, when I created a Blackfeet solution, I wasn't excited about it. I was like, no, because I'm more of a perfectionist, right? So when I had shared it, the lines were not coming out beautifully. The colors were not coming out. And I was like, man, what's happening, you know? But I was like, okay, I had to just share the image online, you know, share it. I think it took me about a one week to create the illustration because back then I didn't have the tool that I have now. I, just, I was just using a computer mouse to do these illustrations. So it was tasking for me, but I had to share them. And I shared them and I went to bed, working on the following morning. Man, it was amazing. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening anymore. Showing I was a heat, I was having calls all over the world. And so it was amazing, amazing. Then, I, I mean, I had to literally make much research on the, the meaning of this artwork, right? Because I wouldn't, I, 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 I wouldn't say I was intentionally making the artwork to be viral. I mean, no, I, I mean, I, I didn't know people gave famous for creating illustrations, you know, but I knew I was creating these images to solve a problem and not to become famous. And so people started celebrating the art of like what's happening. It's not just a black image I created, you know. So from there, I had to understand that there is more to these images than just you know representation. You know, um, I think one of the things that stands out too is because even though you looked at it and you're like, I just don't see this enough, so I need to like solve this issue and put it out there. For the first time in a lot of people's lives, I remember when I saw it, when Carl showed it to me, I was like, wow, I I've never actually thought about the fact that in all the textbooks I've opened with anatomy and all that, I have never once seen anybody that's not like, that's, that's black, right? And so for me, it was just like a light bulb moment where it was like, oh, this is beyond, this is somebody who's thought to themselves, I need to change basically the face of medicine so other people can feel represented. Um, so that's what I really like, like about that. Couple of questions though, uh, you mentioned 
two things one the mentor and two even before that doing it uh pro bono so this is where i want to ask the question i know you said that you know they said that they didn't have the necessary funds to pay but you still decided to go ahead and do it right what do you think was your internal motivator to say even though they can't pay me i still want to do this out there like what was driving you or what did you think was going to come as a result of you still doing it well for me one thing i've understood and uh, i had learned in the process was that i, I may not be getting the required resources or um, let's say um, incentive for the art for the design that i created but i do know that i was going to get recognition for those for those designs right i was going to i was going to be referred by someone right even if i wasn't being paid but I mean, and which was the truth, right? At, at the process of creating those, those graphic designs, I had recommendations because they were, they were so beautiful. And some doctors from, from some, some countries were like, who made these designs for you? And they said, he made our, our design made it for us, our designer made it for us, right? So, but through my voluntary, my, for this organization, I had recommendations from, so to work with doctors in Harvard. I mean, and, and for me, Though they were not actually paying me, right, and but I got opportunities to to to, to work with them, you know, I got I got leadership opportunities. Like I was going to, and I had to serve as a as a committee member of the World Federation of Neurosurgical Societies. You know, well, I, I was a medical student, but I was already serving as a as a member of many um, medical organizations globally. So through the design, through this uh, graphic design, I was meeting a lot of presence. I was conversing with top global leaders I know, in medicine, and it was, it was a good opportunity for me, right? And although the, the resources were not coming, which was, I was okay with that, but I was getting the required foundation, building my career that would I mean, shoot me to that particular place I wanted to be. So, I mean, that has always been my, my my initial push, right? We may not always get resources. It, it, it may not always be about the money we get for a particular thing, right? But the connection, but the friendship, but the relationship we built from the skills of our program is what really matters. And I would say that has been, right? That has been the, 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 the reward, I would say, from offering my services pro bono to these organizations. So, <laughs> <laughs> you're dropping some gems right now, bro. Like you're dropping some serious gems. Let's let's backtrack a little bit because I want to kind of unpack some of the things that you've been saying, right? So going back a couple minutes ago, one of the things you said that I think is so golden, and I'm going to tie this into my next question, is you talked about the fact that before the black fetus picture, you did about 40 illustrations before that, right? right? That in itself is a lesson because people always see the one, right? They always see the one that hits or the one that makes it, right? They see the game-winning shot, but they, they don't see all the, the shots that you missed in practice, right? They don't see the, the ones that were not you know, as successful, but I, I kind of want to ask you with those 40, were you putting those out as well? Or were those kind of just like uh, illustrations you were holding on to? And it wasn't until you got to the black fetus one where you were like, I think this is the one, you know, like, like, what was it about that one specifically 
that made you say, you know, I want to go ahead and put this one out, right? Because you have 40 to choose from. And so from my perspective, just thinking about the fact that there's 40 of them to choose from, it's like, okay, well, which one am I going to go with? You know, like, like which one is going to be the one I put out there and you chose the black fetus one. So what was it about that one that was like, yeah, this is going to be the one I put out there? Well, I would say that from the very first time I started illustrations, all my articles were always in social media. We always, always, I mean, from the, from the, from the learning process to right now, most adults I've created, I actually shared on social media, right? And um, and because I understand that in as much as I was growing, right, it's important that people saw my track record, right? Assuming I wasn't sharing this artworks on social media and just the black features and it went viral, it looked like um, I was just one hit wonder, right? But showing, showing my, from my learning process, had always showed my artwork, right? And um, how it became better and better over the years. And just to say, I started illustration in 2020, as I said, so I'm just two years in illustration and I've really seen a visible sign of improvement, right? Because I'm always constantly learning and constantly uh, developing myself. So um, the Black Fit illustration was just the one I created at that moment, right? It, it, I mean, it wasn't part of the, it wasn't like an, an, an archival sort of, right? It was just one I created and the one I had to share. But everyone I created before then, I've always posted them. I've always been advocacy for them somewhere. Deliberate effort was that these images ought to be in Blaspheen, right? Those were the deliberate efforts I had put in all of my images. So, um, I mean, graciously, right, that the Black Fetus was the one that announced me to the world. And, um, you know, and I'm very thankful for everything in my life. I'm grateful for everything that happened in my life. And I think um, at that particular point, for me, medicine, I've always had passion for children and women in medicine, right? And that's why I wanted to be, I want to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. So putting all my artworks to, um, channels to women and children has been an important thing for me. And that's why I created the Black Fetus Illustration. And I would say typically that the day I created the Black Fetus Illustration, I was in an, I was more like in a confusion what artwork to create. You know, I had a couple of artworks to create. Should I create a black feature? Should I create, um, I think the next one was, was, was a full anatomy artwork that I was supposed to create. But I said, okay, let me just print the black feature illustration and um, and it became a hit. I mean, as I said, I wasn't expecting it, uh, but it happened and I thanks goodness for that. Yeah. So also there was, there was a talk that you gave where you kind of, talked about like you showed your your house and then you showed your church right and you talked about the the distance that you would have to go you know for a year it was an, an hour an hour back and forth for a year you know for you to be able to to have the supplies and stuff you needed for the medical illustrations let me ask you just from uh, a standpoint of when you were going through that time frame what was the motivation to keep making that trip, right? Because an hour is, is that's not like right down the street, right? That's a significant uh, a distance that you had to travel, you know, to get that. So what was the motivation at that point to keep making it, you know, instead of being like, ah, uh, you know, maybe 
maybe it's just not meant to be, you know, or maybe I shouldn't be making this trip. Yes. So for me, I would say um, I grew up in a church, right? I'm, I'm a church boy. You know, I've always loved being around church. And um, so what, what happened there was, was that, that um, so I'm this kind of person that I, I never like being a mediocre in anything I do. I always want to be improving and self-improving. So uh, where I lived in my community was very, it's a very much community. There was no power supply. There was no electricity. And in my church, there was always more like, um, uh, um, let's say, a 20-hour power supply in a day. You know, could always have a good amount of power supply in a day. And I realized that if I was going to improve myself, I was going to learn illustrations, I wouldn't be comfortable at home. I, I wouldn't be comfortable at home, but I wouldn't achieve the things I wanted to learn. So I understood that the church had the power supply that I needed, and it had a quiet space where I could stay and learn, right? But if I was at home, right, a couple of distractions would, you know, would, would, you know, would be going on. And of course, there was no power supply at, 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 at the first place to, to learn these things. So church was just the best platform, the best place for me to stay and achieve these things. So most times I would realize that if I go to church, I could spend an ample hour of time, like for eight hours, you know, doing an arts world, and I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, exhausted. But, but the sad thing was that I didn't have resources to keep up. You know, so every time I would need to lend money from people to just to pay my way to church, just to go get past supply and walk. So it was, it was, it was a difficult time in my life. Very sometimes I would literally walk. You know, I would literally walk an hour journey from my church. You know, to my home. So it's it was it was amazing. But in, in those times, I learned a good amount of lessons in my life, and that really helped me in my career, in my life right now. So it was just the desire to be to be um, to to improve, the desire to to learn more, and that particular desire kept me pushing. You know that I would make this one hour distance to my church to get past a plan to learn, and also it was also a way of you know, re-energizing for all that creative, right? We need quiet places, right? To think and to create artworks, you know? So I felt my church was also was just a good place to stay and create. So that that has been the journey through back and forth church. And I would say it's, it has been the, the defining moment of my life, truly. That's amazing, man. That's, it shows that resiliency that you have too. Um, because I think that's one of those like markers of success that a lot of people miss out on just because they're they quit too early or they don't let themselves go the distance and with that in mind my next question is um you know while we were doing some research we saw that you know you spent 10 years applying for medical school medical school before it happened for you right um describe to us like how you were able to overcome any self-doubt that could have popped out dealing with family members who disowned you or people that turned on their backs on you and what that process was like for you and I asked this question knowing like, I know what the process was like for my brother, who also kind of went through a similar thing with applying to medical school. And I have a friend that, you know, went four years before he got accepted. So just with that in mind, you know, what kept you going? Like what inside you said, don't give up. This is what I meant to do. Well, I would say that for me, that for me, I have always been, um, one that never gives up, you know, and not like, not like typically I was just a very strong, resilient person, but I knew that I had no, for me, I had no life outside medicine. I mean, that, that with my mind that, you know, that what would I probably be my life if I wasn't a medical doctor, you know, so that particular mindset just kept me, all right, this is my life, this is my dream job, and I 
just have to get it. You know, so for years I applied to medical school and I kept being rejected and I had to pop into doing a first degree in chemistry. So while I was doing a degree in chemistry, I was still applying to medical school and hoping that it works out, you know, but that process, that process of being rejected, or, I mean, I realized that, I mean, there could be a way out of this, you know, and my family were, you know, were more concerned about the year that I was going to spend in medical school and, you know, finish medical school and come, you know, cater for the family. Of course, typical African parent, African family, you know. So I, I, I was just, I was, I mean, literally, so, so, so they said that if you're going to go to medicine, you're going to be all on your own, you know, to, to pay your tuition, to take care of yourself. So I knew I was alone in this, right? And I had no way. So I, I had no point of giving up. So I had to learn those skills, you know, in the bid to also um, uh, raise money for myself also, for tuition. And also I, I, I needed to have proved them wrong also, to have proved them wrong that they didn't believe in me, you know, because there were times I, I confided in a friend and I told him that, I mean, that I'm, I, I still wanna go to medical school, right? I mean, I know I'm getting older, but I still wanna go to medical school. And he told me something, he said, that I shouldn't pursue passion, I should pursue profit. So therefore I should do medical school because it's my passion. I should go to where there's profit, which is a tech world. You know, well, sadly now he's still with my status right now. I know that I actually proved me very wrong, you know? So it's, it's I mean, it's, it's, it's just very sad why people say things like that actually. So, I mean, so in the bit to disprove people that, that have always um, said things that you can do this, you can do, you can make it, you know? I have to keep pursuing my dream to know that this is a reality. And for me, medicine work is not just, um, it wasn't just a decision I took. To, it was a clear path that was revealed, right? For me, I had to, I, I discovered my purpose early enough, right? And that's what made me not to give up. You know, before now, I was already, I was, I was also a musician, right? I was playing the keyboard, I was singing, but I knew I was, this was not my calling, right? So I had to just quit. But for medicine, I knew I was called to do this, right? I, was, I knew I was called to do this. And that's the reason why I didn't have to give up on my dreams and I just kept pushing and pushing and, um, of course, this is not all that it, it could be in my life, right? There's still one main thing I'm going to do, and uh, yeah, we're getting there. So, <laughs> yo, this episode is amazing. <laughs> so, what I wanted to what I wanted to ask you next is because I know, and even just from us listening, and and for those of you that are listening to this episode, you can your your passion just emits off of you right like it's it's very easy to see how passionate you are about this you know and and before I ask my question let me just say like I want to give you your flowers you know and and tell you what you're doing for the culture for our people is amazing you know so I just wanted to give you your flowers while you're here while we're talking you know and let you know that we love what you're doing. You know, it's amazing, man. And, you know, it, it's, it's beautiful to see someone being able to be a trailblazer like this for the culture. Um, next thing that I was going to say to you is like, when it comes to representation and actually, before I get to that, before I get to that, we know you were a medical student in Ukraine. Now, what was your experience like when everything started to happen with Ukraine and Russia? Like, were you still there? 
or were you like gone? Like, what wh wh what was that like? Yeah, so, um, I mean, a lot of persons asked me that question, right? Uh, so I recently got started, just got admitted, and I was about leaving for school, right, before the crisis started. So, I mean, I, I was, the crisis halted my process to get into school and how to stop the trip. So, I mean, I literally wasn't in Ukraine when the war started. Okay, okay, cool. I was expecting some crazy war story or... You know, but but but, <laughs> but but we're glad you're safe. We're glad you're safe, man. Thank uh, you. So the the question that the other question I was going to ask you is just when it comes to representation and medicine, what would you like to see come to fruition in the next five to ten years? I know you kind of have spoken in the past about an initiative that you would like to start, but what do you envision? seeing happen in the next five to 10 years or the next two to three, you know, that for you would be like, now we're really making progress. Yeah, so I would say the, the, the one thing I really want to see, I mean, there are a couple of others, right? Is to see how uh, important how black people are treated. I mean, that's the most important thing because the essence, the, the, the reason for my work, right? is not just for me, but it's for the black community, right? It's, 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 it's a tool of advocacy for the black community. And I, I also wanna see how these works can influence how the doctor or how healthcare provider sees the black person. Because statistically, I would say that there has been an increase in infant mortality rate and maternal mortality rate. And all of this is premised on how the physician sees a black person. Right, and all of this also has the foundation in play in proper representation. So I want to say that through artworks, through um, proper visual creations, that Black people are being given a fair, right? I've been given a fair hearing. I've been actually, you know, given fair treatment. I've been, I've been catered for equally as other white persons have been treated. Because I think that's most that's paramount. And also with a singular reason to seeing our healthcare outcome improve. Because I would say the Black community has a deteriorating healthcare outcome. Um, but if all of this is premised on how a physician treats a black patient, and literally there are actually a lot of cliches around the black community where they say that black communities are, are less sensitive to, 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 uh, to pain, that black communities do not receive, do not feel pain, that uh, being a black person, you know, you don't actually feel pains. You know, being a black person that if you are black and you are sickle cell, means you're a drug addict. You know, so there are a couple of cliches around being a black person. And I want to see how we can redefine that mentality, how we can shift the paradigm and also educate the world, educate the community that black is unique and black is excellent. And, and that, that is premise on how we create unique artworks that represent the black community. And I also want to see how we can create a system, you know, in medicine, see, create a system because for us to, um, for us to challenge the norm, for us to challenge an existing, you know, information, it is important that we are able to um, challenge that with a better or, or, or a preferred information. For example, you know, so before now, most images in our medical textbook were all white images. You know, just recently that we have a couple of illustrators who have been passionate about creating black images, but that's not enough, right? Because statistically, just in our medical table, just 4.5% shows black, show the black people, right? And that simply means 
that there is a small community of illustrators who are doing these things. And that's not enough, right? So we need to see how we can build a community of young, passionate illustrators who are passionate about solving this global problem, right? Because indirectly or indirectly, it all affects us, right? Affect our loved ones, affect our friends, and and it's gonna be sad to say when we, as as uh, you know, as leaders, as chain leaders, you know, has has done the impact and have exited, right? And the impact has not been felt by the next generation of people. So I think it's important that, that we are able to train more leaders. And at most times, in the things, in most of my my talks and conferences, I do say that. They prove of being a good leader, they're able to produce more leaders, not more followers, right? So I want to see how we can produce more illustrators like me, right, who are synergizing, solving the same global problem, you know, with a bid to improve the healthy outcome for Black communities. And that's just, that, that's, that's what I long to see in medicine, that's what I long to see in, in the world of healthcare space, and also how we can review our educational curricula. I would say, there has been, there has, there have not been a lot of improvement in, in, in the resources used in training medical students because I think these resources have just been, you know, resources that, that we that we used some years ago and and are still being used now. Right, there's, there has not been much of a review in how these resources are are, are, are being used to train medical students. So I mean, my um, uh, I would say my my. Um, what I want to see in some future, in some years to come, right, is to see that if we flip through medical textbook, right, it's so obvious that a lot of images there include the diverse community, include, include the minority group, right? And that is because, and that would happen because a lot of organizations, a lot of top leaders, a lot of institutions are understanding that this has been a problem. I mean, I would say that when that image went viral, a lot of companies, a lot of people reached out to me and said, we want to work with you, we want to include, we want to review our existing images and make them black skin, right? And that is what we love to see. And we already seen that already. But in the nearest future, more of that would be done because it's already becoming, um, it's already becoming glaring, it's already becoming very crystal clear that this was a this was a problem and we have to be solutions to that problem. So in the next future, I hope to see that our resources, our public resources, include the diverse community, and not just the black community, right, but the minority, like the Hispanic, the Latinos, because I think that's also paramount in how well they have been represented. That's an amazing answer, man. That's an amazing answer. Uh, you know, something I find myself curious about is what you consider to be what makes you successful, right? What habits that you have um, consciously and maybe subconsciously that you think are what attribute to your level of success. So what are maybe two or three of those habits? And then why are they particularly important to your journey and your experience? Well, I would say um, I have three basic foundations to my growth and success. First of all, is um, understanding where I'm coming from, right? For me, that has, I mean, I, I came from obscurity, you know, I, I understood my background, you know, I came from a very small family, a very struggling family, and um, I understood that that's where I came from, you know, and that's very related to every other person. When you understand where you're coming from, right, it's gonna 
have a lot of influence on the kind of things you do if you want to be great, you want to be successful, right? So I understood that my parents didn't give me everything that I wanted. You know, I didn't have the best of schools. I didn't go to the best of schools. I didn't have the best of clothing, you know. And I owed myself that particular achievement. And because I understood where I was coming from, and then I understood where I am right now, right? So where I am right now is simply that desire, that desire not to be a mediocre, that desire to always improve myself, that desire to always strive for excellence. So understanding where I am right now and also understanding where I'm going to, right? Those are the three foundations to my success. So when I understood where I'm going to, because I, I knew, right, that I was born for greatness. I mean, it, it's a feeling you always feel it, right? You always feel that you are born to do more, right? I don't know for you, but I feel it also, man. It, and it's, it's a blast, you know? So when you have this feeling that you are born to do something very unique in the world, you would know that the, the, the discipline, the tax, right, the, 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 the energy you exert, right, on what would be different, right? For me, I knew I was going to do great things, and I, I started earlier enough to invest in my mind. I started reading good books early enough, I started attending good conferences, you know, I started surrounding myself with a good, a good cycle of people who would encourage me to do great things. And I would say those three factors in my life were the things that helped me to become successful. And I, and I would say typically that, you know, most times it's not that I had clearly figured out my life, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it doesn't happen anyway, right, to entirely figure out the path to your future or to your greatness or to success, you know. But one thing is important that you, you understand where you're going to, right, you understand where you are, and you're putting the right amount of work, the smart work, right, and breathing yourself, it is, it is of course, a certainty that you arrive at great success. And just to buttress on this, success is not about wealth and life and that's what has kept me going and that's the foundation to my success so i want to i want to ask you because when you when you think about what you are doing you know and the magnitude of everything you have a lot on your plate right <laughs> like we know med school is not a walk in the park right we know that that takes up a lot of your time but on the other side of it, again, you know, is still the, the medical illustration, you know, part of you, you know, and the part of you that really loves and enjoys that. So moving forward, like even once you do finish school and you're officially an MD, what does that look like from a standpoint of being able to balance the two of them? You know, like, do you think do you think in order to be the the md that you want to be or the pediatric neurosurgeon that you want to be that that means you have to take a step away from the medical illustration or do you think that it's something that you're still going to be able to kind of balance together as um as an attending physician or let me assume already, I'm already a physician, for example. Um, creating illustrations shouldn't be, um, shouldn't be a life on its own, right? Shouldn't be what to make, take, you, take you away from having a personal life. So for me, like, for example, um, Frank Nata, who is a father, of, who is known for the father of medical illustrations, he, he was a physician and he was also an amazing illustrator. So these two fields are actually very... Um, very related because you're typically doing the same thing, right? So imagine being a physician and you have a case 
right? And you take photograph, and after often work, you're creating artwork and photograph you've created, right? It's just you just using your leisure time, right, to create the things you love doing. And I think there's going to be a good balance in my life with this illustration mm -hmm. because I would say I'm not doing two extreme things. Let's say I'm a physician, I'm also a web developer. I mean, those are two very extreme things, you know. But being that I'm still creating medical illustrations, it's also a process of learning and also a process of, you know, of, of, of um, educating people. So I would say uh, it's going to be very difficult, but it can be done, right? It's just uh, having the right amount of, of time management you know, have a right amount of team teamwork because for me, what I'm building, what I'm doing now is I'm building the required team right now. So in the next future, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, the, I wouldn't be the one doing most of those artworks anymore. I will have my team right doing those artworks, and yet we are still solving that problem. So that is the intended goal, um, and um, it can be done, but it's very difficult. But I'm hopeful that in the next future, I'm able to strike a good balance between these two. Man, what would you say out of everything that's happened over the last like two, three years, what would you say has been the most interesting part of everything? Like, has there been a specific moment where as more and more people get to find out who you are, you've just kind of sat back and said like, whoa, this is even bigger than I thought it would be. Like, has there been a particular moment? Describe that for us. Yeah, so there have been particular moments in my life, and that just happened um, through like sober reflections. So some years ago, I actually had a diary where I wrote down that I was going to be okay. I actually call it the cycle of life of my life. You know, I wrote I wrote at at, at twenty two I was going to finish chemistry. At twenty three I was going to be med school. At twenty four I was going to build my house and all of that. You know, it's amazing. But sad to say, none of that happened. None of that happened at the right time, at the time that I had stipulated. But one thing happened, part of what, what I wrote down in my life, what I said I was going to be a TEDx speaker, you know, but I, I didn't know how that was going to happen, you know, but I have always watched a lot of TED Talks or talk, um, videos. Until the day I had an email from the TEDx team that they loved me to be part of, to be, to be, to come give a TEDx talk. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? You know, I had to say, I had to go look for that book where I wrote that thing down, you know, I flipped through it and I saw it. I was like, God, it's amazing. It's amazing how my dreams are already coming, coming to pass, you know. And I, and I realized that, that most of the things that I wrote some years back, you know, that I had jokingly wrote about, you know, I had said, oh, I was going to do this, I was going to do that. We're already happening, you know, we're happening in that space of my life. So in just reflecting on how much I've achieved in, in one day, in, in one year rather, has been a massive blessing to me. And I, I remember some years ago, um, I mean, last year rather, when I was just, I was just on my laptop. I mean, I mean shortly after that made it viral, I, I received an email from CNN from the popular Zayn Asha that I've been watching on TV. And she said, I would love to interview on CNN. And she, I picked my phone up to my brother. I said, man, it's, ha it's happening already. It's happening already, man. So it's, it's, it's I mean, I mean, for me, those, for me, the exciting thing was that seeing all my dreams coming to pass, seeing all those things that I said I was going to be on TV, I was going to be interviewed, we're already happening in the space of one month already, was just an amazing year of my life that I mean, I don't take for granted. I mean, till today, when I think about them, I still feel very emotional about it. Sometimes I still cry, you know, because I think that it's, it's a blessing for me and something I don't take granted for.
so with with everything you just said you know that's that's a lot to come at you fast right in a, in a, in a short period of time you've been able to work with essentially what what we would call some giants right in the in the media industry you know from being on from 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 working with cnn to you know being a tedx speaker you know which is no no simple feat you know to to now being on on off the clock the healthcare entrepreneurs podcast you know and so the the question i i would want to ask you too is you know what because obviously you didn't have to do this interview you know obviously you could have just been like nah i'm good you know thanks for thanks for for reaching out though you know but but here we are you know making what i think is probably going to be uh one of the the interviews they look back and say that's a highlight right there you know what was it about us or what was it about the podcast that you know made you want to agree to the coming on and and having this conversation with us yeah i want to say that there are actually two major things why i accepted to join this podcast first of all i understood that that people have to hear this message right because you you have a you have an audience that would listen to this and i think it's important that they listen to it and understand the process of this right and also for me the second reason was um, a way of support to what you do, right? Because I think the Black community all support ourselves, right? Because in as much as I came on this podcast today, I think it's a way of support, you know, the way of um, putting out my, you know, my point and my heart in this podcast and, um, and, 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 and allowing being shared publicly also. So I think it's a way of, it's for me, it's a way of support, you know, and also not just the, because I'm going to share it also on my, on my personal platform also, you know, so for me, it's, it's, it's just a real support because I think I have a lot of, I had people who are still seeking interviews with me, but most times I do not consent because of time constraint, you know. So for me, those are the two reasons why I accepted to be in this call. And I would say, just to say this before then, before, before I forget, that this has been an amazing call so far. I mean, it's like one of, one of the, the nice thing, because I, I, I would say the questions are actually, are actually amazing because I have people who ask me most questions, repetitive questions every time, and it gets boring sometimes, you know. But the questions are amazing, and I, I, it's they're just good beyond this call, yeah. And likewise, man, we appreciate having you on the show just because um, we always like to bring the best. I'll just say it like that. We always like to bring the best um, onto the show because right. our, our audience, uh, they get a lot of value from it, and they also are able to just have these opportunities that wouldn't otherwise be available. So, you know, you taking the time for the listeners, listen, what you guys don't know is he chose to do this episode. It is like 12 AM where he is right now. And he's sitting here chatting with us. So that's why we appreciate you so much uh, for taking the time to chat with us. Um, any final questions I may have really would be, all right, let's, let's future pace 10 years from now. Okay, what are you achieving? What's the single most important thing you've left onto the world? And how do you think that one thing you've left to the world is gonna change medicine? 
So in, in, in that year to come, I'm going to see myself as a full medical doctor, which had always been my long dream, right? A medical doctor. And I also see myself working in the public health space because I also want to not just be a doctor, but to be a community doctor. So I want to be that doctor that goes to community and offer health services to the underrepresented. And um, in, in, in that year, I, 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 I want to see how, how well um, we as the black community have been represented. Because I would say that before now, the issue of representation, the issue of diversity has been a topic people have really been shy of talking about. You know, like for example, patients who had gone through, um, who had experienced some sense of bias, some sense of, you know, um, 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 racism because they were black from the healthcare providers. We are afraid, the, the patients were afraid of telling their story, they were afraid of talking about their experiences. Because they, because they didn't know how the world would receive that. But shortly after that imagery viral, I had a lot of patients who were on podcast with me, sharing their experiences, who were now willing to talk about their personal biases they've, they've gone through. So in, in the next future, I want to see how we can, we, how because of the thing that I have done, because of speaking of the Black community, right, that we have this strong ecosystem for the black community and we now see how black people you know are are being celebrated are being respected because i would say generally black people are making amazing contribution in medicine but sadly there is no recognition for that you know sadly there is little or no recognition for that and i want to see how we are able to give that proper recognition to the black community through the kind of thing that I do, through um, to, to creating art talks like this, through creating diverse representations like this. And of course, this is gonna start spur interest in young people. Because I would say most times, most black people are always afraid of going to cars like mercenary. I mean, in Africa, I mean, it was conducted some years ago, most African, most African were, 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 were not willing to go into medicine because of the expenses to be a medical doctor. But shortly after the email that I created went viral, I had mothers who reached out to me and said that their children now don't want to be a medical doctor because now they see themselves more. So it's amazing how a single, like, a single image like that has brought up interest in young people to pursue a career like medicine, right? Because I think if we as Black community, as the Black people going through the area of medicine, you know, I think we will have more contributions, you know, because statistically, there, has, there was a research that was carried out that, that showed that Black patients tend to respond to treatment more when they are being treated by a healthy provider that looks more like them, right? So how can we have more healthy provider that looks like us if we do not have more medical students who are African, who are Black people? So that's why it's important that we need to steal that interest in young people to, to go into a career like medicine in the quest or in the being to be a contributor to the, to the problem or to be a solution to the problem that we see in a healthcare space. So in the next future, this is thing that I want to see. And, um, and I would say that this is not just a work of Chit Ebere, but a work of everybody who is willing to see a change in the world, coming together, synergizing and, you know, and pushing that forward. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask you two more questions before we get out of here. The, the first question I wanna ask you is, just from uh, a perspective of people that you look up to, you know, or, or people that, you know, have really motivated you. 
who would you put on like your your Mount Rushmore, right? Or like your top three, top five for uh, medical illustrators or for uh, healthcare professionals in general? Who who's up there in your top? Well, I mean, I had a lot of motivators. You know, I had a lot, a lot of them. So for um, for illustrations, right? I, I I didn't actually have um, a role model that I actually looked up to, right? Because I had a lot of people who the artists were amazing. I just loved following them, right? But not like I really wanted to be like any of them. But I just loved the artist because of how detailed they were. But in general, in the healthcare space, you know, because I want to be a neurosurgeon, I've always admired Ben Carson, always followed him up, always read his books, you know. And also, um, for my media space, I have um, three amazing doctors that have done amazing things that have supported me. First of all, my mentor, Dr. Auric Sidney, you know, he's been amazing. Dr. Ignatius Asene, he is a neurosurgeon in Cameroon. Amazingly, he uses um, uses very crude tools to do amazing surgery, and it's just amazing. And Professor Keepak, he has been amazing. He's always the director of um, 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 director of um, Global Neurosurgery Committee Committee, and um, I work with him also in a couple of projects. So this particular uh, healthcare provider, the doctors, has been a good contribution to my interest in medicine, and I'm very supportive. Um, to support you to my career. Perfect, perfect. And then uh, this last question I have for you is is a little bit more on the on the personal side, but I think we can get a really good gem out of this one. And I'm genuinely curious. You know, everything you've been able to create, the person you are today you know, is in big part to your mom. And so the question that I would ask, the question that I want to ask you is for us, for the audience, um, for yourself, your future kids, what would be, what would be one gem or one nugget that your mom instilled in you that you think helped you be able to create everything you've been able to create and helped you blossom into the man that you are today? Yes, I would say my mom was a disciplinarian. She was, she would beat the heart of me, man, I messed up. And um, she, she, she was, oh man, amazing. She was an amazing woman, you know, an African mother. You don't joke with her, you know. So I mean, she she actually trained us up. She actually built that discipline in us, you know, because she never liked things being done the wrong way. You know, she would always love things being done properly. I'm gonna do you're gonna do it very well. And um, one thing she she always always said to me is that I I mean, and you she said to me some years ago that. I knew you're gonna be great, right? I knew you're gonna be great. And she had always encouraged us to, you know, in everything we do, because we are Christians in my family, right? And everything we do that we don't leave the God factor out of everything. You know, she always, always said, you need to trust God. You need to trust God in everything you do. You need to trust God because God has blinded you. 
it's amazing how those singular um, uh, lessons has been a factor to my life because when times when, when things get difficult, right, I only want to trust God in, in our, along the journey, you know. So that particular lesson she instilled in us has been um, a good moral lesson and has been what has kept us through. Because I, I, I would say generally, there are a lot of life quotes that, that a lot of discipline that she has instilled, there are a lot of lessons she has taught us. But I mean, that has been the paramount of everything, you know, always trust and believe in yourself and trust God that he always has better plan. So, I mean, my mom has been, she is my major, major source of inspiration. She's the reason why I'm here, right, where I am today. And um, well, bless her soul. Amen, man. God bless her soul. Um, this episode was amazing. Seriously. This was, this was definitely a great episode. And it's funny, man, because I feel like we could keep going. But I mean, out of respect for letting you get some sleep. <laughs> I mean, it's already one, one, one 24 a.m. over here. I mean, oh, man. Um, bro, we appreciate you. Like, seriously, to, to not only do an interview with us, but to do it at 124, 25 now in the morning, man, sincere gratitude from our side. So before we let you go for anyone who's listening, you know, and, and maybe maybe they've been living under a rock, right? And they have had no idea what we've been talking about with the illustrations, and this is their first time being exposed to you. What would be some uh, social media or, or contact information you would want to leave with the people? Well, I would say um, my Instagram, I'm currently rebuilding my website, and those images will be there for my Instagram which is a very low street, right? You could see a whole lot of images that I've created so far and follow through for the community service that I'm doing. Also uh, for, the, uh, for the mega programs I'm planning also. So a very low street, which is my Instagram handle, is a good place to follow through and to see the amazing work we're doing. Perfect, perfect. To our lovely listeners, we appreciate y'all. This episode was fire. Share it out comment do all that good stuff um i really hope you guys got some good value out of this episode i know we did uh chitty once again thank you so much for making the time you know we appreciate you and we always say once you come on otc you're otc alum so we're we're, we're locked in for life now <clears throat> so you know once again man thank you we appreciate you and uh to our lovely listeners peace many blessings thank you for listening to another episode of off the clock don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast see you next episode